0: Welcome to this BJSM podcast and I'm with Mike Raymond and he's a very thoughtful professor from Duke University and he's trained in athletic therapy and physiotherapy, he's done a lot of good writing, he's well known on Twitter, he's very prominent in the field and today we're taking up on a conversation about hip pain, hip arthroscopy, femoral acetabular impingement, one of the very hot topics in sports medicine right now. Mike, uh, thanks for joining the podcast.
1: thank you for inviting me Krim. so we were both on Twitter a couple
0: of weeks ago where there was really quite a debate and there were a lot of people saying that patients were getting hip arthroscopy when they were completely asymptomatic and uh, I was a bit surprised to be honest and you chipped in with some good comments about different papers and your own impression so let's talk about that scenario if the patient's asymptomatic but a doctor discovers hip stiffness and then sends the patient for investigation say X-ray, and finds hip impingement, makes a diagnosis of FAI, should that patient consider surgery?
1: Yeah, I think that's always a tough call because, uh, first of all, I think the, the the issue is terminology. And so, you know, CAM and or pincer are, are morphology terms, and, and typically what happens is they're automatically assumed to be impingement. So oftentimes you'll see the wording as CAM and or pincer impingement, and if the patient's asymptomatic, it's it's a morphological terminology versus a pathological morphology. And, you know, the other issue I think to to consider is that not all people with, and actually very few people with uh, those morphologies have been proven to have uh, progressed to osteoarthritis and or pathology. So there's, there's, there's at least three studies, you know, one of them in, in JBJS uh, 2011 showed that, uh, 82% of the people with morphology did not progress on to osteoarthritis 18.5 years later. So, so just because that presents, I don't think, is always an issue now. So there is, you know, some concern that uh, they have limited internal rotation. And, uh, uh, you know, I've worked with quite a few athletes that, quite honestly, almost several of them, due to their sport, have limited internal rotation. And so... Just because they have those limitations doesn't necessitate that they have to go on for surgery. And so, um, several times we will see those clients and, and probably more for something else. And, you know, probably like another lower extremity injury as we are screening them, we'll see that they have limited internal rotation. We'll ask them if they have any hip problems. Uh, very few do. And so we will typically just put them on a, a strengthening education program and kind of looking at what their sport is and, and seeing You know, do they have good mechanics in what they are doing, and and is it setting them up for, you know, future problems? And uh, I think the other thing to consider is because they have this CAM morphology, is that a normal uh, uh, bony morphology? So Ing and Alice uh, from Ohio State have suggested that some people with this CAM morphology actually have, you know, this is a normal variant, you know, similar to varus in the knee. Or similar to a retroverted humerus, um, you know, maybe it's an adaptation to their sport that allows them to function at a at a higher level. So, uh, I would be very cautious on uh, automatically. uh, Sending those people to surgery and, you know, treating them with rehab, you know, looking at their movement patterns, looking at their strengths, looking at how they, you know, you know, do they have problems with squatting? If they do, you know, training them how to squat in a different pattern of movement versus, you know, what is standard for everybody. You know, not everybody has the same morphology. Therefore, not everybody should do the same exercises exactly the same way.
0: And have there been any RCTs of this situation where someone has is asymptomatic and they're considering surgery? Are there any RCTs that can guide their decision?
1: No, and that's part part of the issue. I think is that, you know, you, you know, I'm not against surgery, and, and I'm not automatically for it. I, th- I think the problem is we don't know who need who needs oh. surgery. The, the article that we were talking about on Twitter is uh, is the Jason Collins systematic review in uh, American Journal of Sports Medicine um and it's uh currently in the epub and it's uh um, entitled is prophylactic surgery for, for More Ocetabular impingement indicated and uh it's a pretty interesting study in the sense that of it was a systematic review that ended up with no articles and uh um I'm glad that it got published uh, even without the articles but the, the authors do a great job of of walking through and and talking about you know, just because somebody has this morphology, do they automatically have osteoarthritis? Just because they have it on one side, does that mean, uh or even if they have surgery on one side, does that mean that they're going to have symptoms on the other side? And some studies are only showing that, you know, less than one out of three people are having symptoms on the other side. So um they were actually uh, fairly bold in, in the sense that they said that, uh you know, if you looked at the general population, It's assumed that the general population has about 10 to 15% of the people have, have this morphology of cam or pincer. And if you, if you follow that out over 18.5 years, which uh, another study in JBJS did, they're suggesting that, or they mentioned that uh, greater than 80% of the people with this morphology on radiographs could potentially undergo unnecessary surgery. Now they were very, Uh, good about saying that, you know, that's probably an overestimation and that's probably not always the case. But I I think that underlies the point is there is a potential for a lot of these people to undergo surgery when they are not good surgical candidates and and not surgical candidates in the sense of they don't have the problems and and they're putting them at risk for complications that they may not end up doing well with.
0: And it's not a straightforward surgery because a lot of people think they draw the parallel with meniscal surgery and knee surgery, but obviously shaving away a cam lesion, shaving away a pincer um, anatomy is quite a big deal, right, Mike?
1: Right. And so, I mean, it's obviously you're, you know, you're shaving down the bone. And the other thing with these hip arthroscopies is, is I mean, this is well known in the, even the surgeon's literature, is, there is this, there's a difficult learning curve for this. And uh, some studies are showing that, uh you know doctors need to do at least 30 of these for to, to to do well and and uh and you can't always see the entire hip because it's such a large joint it's hard to distract it's hard to see everything that's going on and and and, and if you're going to have it done you should probably have it done by a surgeon that uh, has some experience in it and so um you know, i can maybe parallel it to um, subacromial decompression in the shoulder we've been doing that for a long time and uh you know some you know the study by judge in uh, bone and joint surgery 2013 showed that the the rates of subacromial decompression have been, uh, have risen by 746% over 10 years yet there's two other studies that are showing that subacromial decompression surgery versus conservative rehab it's pretty much null there's no significant improvement doing the surgery versus not doing the surgery and doing conservative rehab I definitely think conservative rehab needs to improve, but you know, my concern is that there's a 365% increase in hip arthroscopies from 2004 to 2009 as shown by Montgomery in 2013. And I just worry that we are kind of jumping the gun and doing all these surgeries when we don't know exactly who will do well with these and when we haven't done randomized controlled trials.
0: And, Mike, while we're on this theme, and for the listeners, we're still talking about asymptomatic patients. We're going to move on to people with hip pain later, but uh, in this case, we're talking about asymptomatic people who have hip stiffness. And the scary thing from the Twitter feed was that there were people telling us that there was this operation was quite prevalent in different countries in the world. Um, Mike, on that note, um, there was the recent study in the New England Journal of Medicine from the Finnish group, um, Tepo Javan and among them, he was the senior author, and he showed that arthroscopy for meniscal surgery didn't improve patients' outcome compared to non to non-operation to um, sham operation. Mm-hmm. And so then we've got a situation in the, the shoulder where there's an argument that there's enthusiastic operation, if I put it that way. We've got a the first RCT in the knee of meniscal surgery and a previous RCT in the knee of osteoarthritis, arthroscopy not helping, and now there's a big enthusiasm for the hip, so for hip arthroscopy maybe in people who are asymptomatic. So is there a possibility that we're doing over-diagnosis?
1: Uh, I definitely think that's a possibility, and you know, if you really look at uh, our exam to this point, is it, it's, you know, the hip is very... N- new to the game in the sense that you know the, the one good thing is the literature on the hip is ex, is exploding and so um but really if you, if you look at our exam is uh mri mra uh even hip uh, intra-articular injection they are predominantly a, a bit more sensitive than they are specific meaning they are better at ruling the conditions out versus ruling them in and so a recent study just kind of came out on on uh hip intraarticular inj- injection and showed that the people that, res- that did not respond to hip intraarticular injection, uh you know, didn't do, you know, it was a better predictor of not being hip pathology versus being hip pathology. And as you know, I published the uh, meta-analysis on clinical exam of the hip and BJSM and um, it was, it was underwhelming at best. And so the uh predominantly the clinical exam <clears throat> for, um, FAI is predominantly sensitive, and meaning um, <clears throat> it is better at ruling out. You want, you,
0: Mike, why don't you go back because of the coughing? So that's, you can just go back to, um, <coughs> yeah, do you okay. need to drink water thing? That's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, that's fine. It's good. You're going well. It's fantastic. Great level of detail, but you know, good. All right. Good. To uh, so go back to, as you know, i published the, uh, just take, and just okay. sort of celebrate that paper because we want people to go there, so take your time. Okay.
1: And as you know, Kareem, I published a meta-analysis in the British Journal of Sports Medicine on clinical examination of the hip, and um, quite honestly, it was was underwhelming. And essentially what the message of of our paper was is there's, uh, number one, an over-reliance on special testing, and the special testing that is out there is, uh, especially for uh, FAI, is predominantly better at ruling out or it is better as a sensitive test than, than diagnostic. I, th- I think part of the problem or the, the reason for that is predominantly these studies are done um, in hip surgeon's office, which is definitely where these uh, high amount of clientele are, but the problem is that therefore you're going to get, end up with a lot of true positives and very few false negatives, and so that's going to increase your sensitivity and uh, the the a few true negatives is going to make your specificity very poor.
0: And so the implication for the person who's seeing these patients freshly in the, in the field or in the clinic, like a, a physio or a doctor who's not a surgeon?
1: Yeah, so, so I, th- I think it's um, be cautious with your exam and your examination interpretations. Uh, I think the big thing is... Um, we also wrote another paper in your uh, uh, journal, the British Journal of Sports Medicine, on uh, acetabular labral tears and, and uh, the kind of the diagnostic challenge. And our uh, approach with that is is a comprehensive exam, you know, looking at subjective, looking at objective measures, looking at range of motion, looking at manual muscle tests, looking at physical performance measures, and looking at special tests. But, you know, we always teach our students that special tests, even though there's so many of them and and that it takes so much time to learn them, you know, we put them towards the very back part of our examination and subjective examination is very important. And, you know, for example, clicking and catching uh, is highly sensitive for uh, ruling out hip labral tears. And so I think it's a broad exam that uh, um, unfortunately we have a tendency to look at uh, special tests predominantly.
0: And so just to be clear there, if there's, Clicking and locking, what does that mean?
1: Uh, so, c- clicking and catching um, from Burnett and a couple other studies have suggested that. Uh, so, again, these were studies that were done in the physician's office, and these were people that were uh, having a high probability of having labral tear in the first place. So, therefore, there was a lot of true positives. So, uh, meaning if the patient came in, and especially at a hip surgeon's office, and they did not have clicking or catching, you are much more likely to think, okay, I don't think they have intra-articular pathology such as a labral tear.
0: Sure. But similarly, if the person is in a physio office and they have some clicking and locking, it doesn't mean that they've got a labral tear, does it?
1: No, no. And, and you know, there's also the entity of uh, snapping hip from the psoas or the IT band. And, you know, those could be uh, attributed to to the psoas snapping over the, the front of the femoral head and, and not – uh, you know, so like ballet dancers have it. Have several of them, like 96% of them have snapping in their hip. The majority of those people are asymptomatic. And so you know, just because somebody has those symptoms, uh, so that's, that's why it's better at ruling it out. The fact that it's not there is probably not the issue. Great.
0: So let's say that it suggests that if people are asymptomatic, the clinician can be, Confident of not trying to rush them for any sort of surgery, even though there is this seeming phenomenon of this the world over, Right,
1: right. And, and and I think the concern is that you know if the surgeon tells them, well, you, you know, you have this and you had it on your other hip or whatever, is is the patient expects the expects surgery to be the gold standard. And um, where I am and where I've been is sometimes. Uh, it's not necessarily the physicians, but sometimes even the insurance says, well, you know, come into physical therapy, you know, do your 10 visits. If you're not better, then we'll do surgery. So it's it's almost like they're coming in with the expectation of, well, I don't expect this to work. You know, the insurance company wants me to do this, and, and you know, I have to fail this to, to have surgery. And I think that's where we can make a big impression on these folks is, you know, what you're asymptomatic, you do have a little bit of stiffness or you do have these issues. But, you know, if we educate you on how to squat, how to change your, your activity, do some uh, exercise, uh, you know, strengthening, range of motion type of activities, the majority of these people end up doing well. And, uh, you know, I've seen several soccer players, basketball players that, you know, might have some stiffness. You know, we work on um, mechanics. We work on their movement patterns, changing those kinds of activities. And, you know, they do fine.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic feedback mike and great for young physios who haven't had the vast experience that you have so there are good things that can be done we'll leave it there on this first podcast and remind listeners that they can follow twitter updates of bjsm on at bjsm underscore bmj and we'll have a chat about the symptomatic patients on a separate podcast thanks mike